Every Woman is a feminist show that highlights the struggles, triumphs, and accomplishments of women and girls and the men who support them. Every Woman includes a rich intersection of female voices that represent a wide range of ethnicities, social and economic status, as well as political and spiritual beliefs, with the purpose to enact social, political, environmental, and economic change. The views and opinions expressed on Every Woman are those of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Midcoast Radio Project Incorporated, KKFI staff, board, or management. Sugar me sweet, sugar me light, sugar me heavy, sugar me over, mind, body, soul, sugar, sugar me, sugar me, sugar me. I am Angela Believes. You are listening to Every Woman on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Who we got in the studio? Well, you've got Rachel here um, behind the board for you today. Thank you so much. And via Zoom, we have our co-host and co-producer, Fiona in the building via Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> virtually in the building. Just kind of sticking my virtually. toe in the water. Yes, virtually in the building. I like that. And shout out to Una, our other co-host and co-producer. I just got to ask this question. You know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Briefly, how is everyone doing today? I'm, I'm doing really well today, actually. It's a beautiful day and I love being here with y'all so beautiful Fiona how are you doing I've had better weeks but uh, maybe next week will be a better one yeah let's let's shoot for that I sure hope so I have no complaints I'm feeling I feel real good I'm here for it so with no further ado folks we have a very special guest joining us virtually who you will get to meet we're going to speak be speaking with Malia Car. She is an esthetician and the owner of Spotique. Now, that is a salon here in Kansas City, Missouri that specializes in sugaring hair removal. Welcome, Malia. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Thank you so much for being with us. Now, when I heard about sugaring from Shonda Gonzalez, who is the owner of Kansas City Agency, which is an insurance company, it's an independent insurance company that she owns, I was like, wow, like, what is that? So give us an introduction into what sugaring is. Of course. That is the question I get all the time. What is sugaring and why is it different from waxing? So... Sugaring is a hair removal method that does remove hair from the follicle directly. So it is different from wax because it is um, different consistency and it's made up of different ingredients. Um, It's made of sugar, water, citric acid, vinegar, um, and it creates a paste. And to me, it looks like honey or... um, it might be like more close to a molasses type of color. Um, and you use your hand for the traditional method to mold the paste against the direction of hair growth. Um, you mold about three times and then you do what we call a flicking motion um, that removes the paste, which brings that hair up out of that follicle. When you mold, that's pushing the sugar paste into that hair follicle and allowing it to wrap around the bulb of the hair. So when you flick it out, it's wrapped around that bulb and it just brings that all the way out with it. I really like this method because wax 
just goes on top of the skin and can tend to cause breakage with people, which can be a main cause of ingrown hairs. Um, so that is the main difference um, between waxing and sugaring. Then sugaring also is not as hot as wax, um, so it can't burn you since it only attaches to dead skin cells. It also cannot lift the skin or, you know, sometimes when you get your eyebrows um, waxed, it might take some of that skin off, so that would be lifting and sugaring cannot do that. Yeah, that's happened to me before when I've had my eyebrows waxed. So sugaring can be used on the eyebrows for hair removal as well? Yes, Anytime. I do full body. Okay. So full face, resilient underarm legs. If you have hair that you do not want, I will remove it. So say somebody wants to come in and get some hair removed from their lower legs. How long would that take? Lower legs typically take about 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the person. I believe I book about an hour. And how long does it last? Um, I always say about four to six weeks. Again, it's really going to depend on the person. Um, people who consistently sugar tend to get longer results, close to six weeks. Um, people that have sugared for years can tend to go about eight weeks even. I got to stop right here. Malia, I got to ask you, how are you doing? Because it looks like you are at work right now, taking time out of your schedule to talk with us. So let me check in with you. How are you doing in May since his mental health awareness month? How you been feeling? I have struggled, you know, I've had, my mom um, has had a lot of health issues, and so I've kind of had to step up, you know, and I have two younger sisters that are still at home, and my mom's been hospitalized, so it has been a lot. I'm really thankful that business has picked up after the pandemic, because Spot Peak is, you know, my home almost. I, it's where I feel like I do the most, and I just really enjoy it. So, you know, I've been trying to not focus on the personal stuff and really just jump into the spa and, you know, allow myself to heal there. So. Well, prayers for your mother. Yeah. I, I, we all pray and hope her a speedy recovery and that she maintains her health and becomes whole again. Thank you. You're, you're very welcome. So listen, I got I to gotta point out, Rachel, you, you all were talking about lashes when I came in, and that's another one of your services that you offer. So Rachel, tell us, Tell us about your lashes, your experience with them. <laughs> well, I, I I have very little experience. I actually had my very first experience with eyelash extensions. But it was an experience, though. It absolutely was. <laughs> I, I was doing a boudoir photo shoot, and Ooh. for the first time in my life, someone actually did my hair and makeup. And one of the things she did was do you know false eyelashes. And she, I had that great moment where she put them on and it spun me around to the mirror, and I couldn't believe the difference it made in my face mm -hmm. i i had no idea so i'm a big proponent of it I, I loved it do you get a lot of those reactions malia when you're doing eyelashes for for clients i really do i um love those reactions too and they tend to really make them feel really beautiful and better about themselves to the point of where it's almost an addiction. Like they want to come in every two weeks. They want to get your lash, their lashes done. Like they almost get upset or nervous if I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm booked and I can't get you in. People love them. They they just love them. So what type of lashes do two you do? So with eyelash extensions, you um, glue them onto your natural lash. 
And hair has a 30-day cycle. So no matter like the hair on your head, your body hair, your eyelashes, each hair will fall out about every 30 days. Um, so when that lash falls out, it takes that extension with it. So if you want to keep your lashes looking full, you have to fill them every two or three weeks. Mm. So, Any new bits to come from? Yes, you'll still have them on because the adhesive lasts like 10 weeks. Um, but like I said, when that natural lash falls out, then that takes the extension with it. And then a new hair is going to grow in in its place. You got to get in and get another lash on that new hair. So when you say natural lash, is that someone's actual eyelash that is coming out, falling out? Yes. Okay. Correct. And then you said it grows back? Yes. So each lash will fall out and a new lash will grow in that place as long as that follicle is still active. Okay. And so listen, I have to ask this question. With the sugaring, should people who have diabetes not have sugaring hair removal? Is that unsafe for them? Uh, So... Uh, as long as they don't have any issue in that area with their skin at the time. I know sometimes um, diabetics can struggle with, like, wound healing and bruising and those kind of things. So I'm never going to go over an area where the skin is compromised with, like, an open wound or an infection or a bruise or anything like that. Otherwise, um, it is fine. Okay, wonderful. And then if you can, tell us about some of the other services that Spotique officer offers. So I do, um, I do offer makeup services, actually. Um, and then I also do a variety of facials. Skincare is actually my passion. Um, and so I love doing facials. I have several different machines um, to do different things for different people. Um, I have a whole line of products that um, I use and can be purchased. And um, I also do body treatments as well. So like full body mud mask, um, full body exfoliation. And then I do a treatment that helps reduce cellulite and firm and tighten skin as well. Um, I do henna. So um, a lot of people are familiar with like lash and brow tinting. Um, So lash and brow henna is essentially the same thing, but it's henna instead of tint. So I do that. Um, pretty often as well. Those are all my services as of right now. So you said that skincare is your passion. How did how did you get interested in that? How did that start? Honestly, my mom. Um, from a very young age, my mom taught me that your skin is for life and you take care of it. That's what people see first. Um, my mom was really big on Clinique back in the day. You know, that was super big so she had all her clinic products and she would let me cleanse my face and do my moisturizer um i had a little tyke vanity that she had next to hers and so she'd give me a little blush because she was also passionate on me learning how to properly apply makeup as well um so she would take me to like the mat counters at the mall she had a friend who did mary Kay that would work with me so Skincare and just properly applying makeup to enhance your beauty was a really, really important thing to my mom. 
Do you feel that it's important for people to feel beautiful, beautiful just in their skin, period, before they use any enhancements such as makeup or eyelashes or so forth? I really do. Um, and it's super interesting in this industry. Um, I feel like people kind of go to like Botox uh, a lot too, or like cosmetic surgeries. And I just, it's just real. I think you should love yourself. I think you should love yourself. No, no shade on anyone who chooses to do other things at all. But my philosophy for the people that I have coming in to see me, I tell them that their skin looks good. I try to point out things that are beautiful on them. They have long eyelashes. They have good skin tone. I tell them these things, and I encourage them to take care of what they have because it is important to feel beautiful with yourself before you're applying makeup, before you're doing all of the extra stuff as well. And, you know, some of those things can get addictive, like you cannot want to leave the house without your lashes. I, too, just recently started wearing um, eyelashes, and it's just like I don't wear them on a daily basis. I do like them a lot. However, I do put on my mascara to elongate my already naturally beautiful curly um, lashes that I got from my parents. So, um, But, yeah, those lashes, they change the game. However... Uh, folks, we have to be comfortable just being in our natural state and use them those enhancements to enhance and, and leave it at that. Now, we're going to have to take a station break here for some messages momentarily. But So when we come back, your skin looks very good. And I heard you and Rachel talking before we started the show how the mask had broke your face out, and that happened to me too. If you can share some tips for people out there who might be experiencing the same thing, um, now that the masks are coming off, it's time to show your, your mug, so you got to be ready. So if you can give some tips to our listeners, that would be awesome. All right, everybody, it's time for our our station break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I am Angela Believes. You are listening to Every Woman on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. We are speaking with Malia Carr. She is the owner of Spa Teak, which is a sugaring hair removal. Uh, Do you call it boutique, salon? How do you refer to Spa Teak? Um, I say spa. Spa. Thank you. Spa here in Kansas City, Missouri. So before we took our station break, I wanted to you to share with what you did to clear your face up from the breakout from the masks. So honestly, I took a makeup break. So that was my biggest thing. I needed to quit putting things in my pores. So once I did that, um, I was just making sure I was staying on top of my cleanser. Um, I have more oily, acne skin to begin with. So using an oil-free cleanser was really good for stripping all of the oils that were just going to get pressed into your face from being absorbed in the mask. So I do that anyways. Um, glycolic acid really helped my skin. So I say this with the utmost caution because sometimes people hear like oh this product works really well so then they rush out and they overuse it and i'm telling you right now if you overuse glycolic you're going to be upset your skin is going to hurt and it's going to cause more problems than you would have fixed 
by using it. You have to be very careful. I recommend um, if you have a local esthetician that you go speak with them first um, so they can tell you your skin type and what product would work best. Because I say glycolic and that could not work for everyone. There's some people I would not recommend to use it. So um, for me, that worked really well staying on top of my twice-a-day cleansing and not wearing makeup and exfoliating because exfoliation helps clear out those pores and having clogged pores is what causes the breakouts to begin with. So those are my main tips, exfoliating, oil-free cleanser, um, and using some type of like topical exfoliant is what a glycolic would be like. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm telling y'all, it was rough for me. It was just like, I was like, is it my, my food? What What is going on? It's like, is it the sugar? Is it the sugar? I was eating, I was eating a lot of chocolate at the time. But yeah, so I, I got it together. But yeah, make sure we keep our faces clean. Um, do what you can to keep that inner and outer on point. And Rachel, you were shaking your head a little bit when Malia was talking. And I know that you're very, very interested in our guest today. So what excites you about the services that Malia offers at Spotique? Well, I, I'm curious about the the individual lash extension and how can you still do that and still do like eyeliner and things and have to take that off every night or how, how does that work? So yes, you can use eyeliner and mascara and any eye makeup as long as you make sure that it's oil free. Um, the oil and a lot of makeup products breaks down the adhesive faster. Um, so that's really the biggest concern. And then when you're removing um you use like not cotton more like gauze or like microfiber towel Mm. um and the way you cleanse is down and out like with your lashes you're not going to scrub back and forth that's (laughs) going to rip that's mostly going to just damage your natural lashes because it's going to pull on those extensions which are attached to your natural lashes you don't want to do that anyways if you don't have extensions it's not good for your lashes so down and out down and out and then kind of like in, if you need to go in. Also, um, it helps not damage the lashes, but then you don't want to pull out on your eyes because that is not good if you struggle with like crow's feet or anything like that. So Um, pulling on that delicate eye area anyways is not good. Got it, and can you use anything to to take it off? Like I use my cellular water usually for to take eyeliner off is that something you can do or do you have to be careful of that too because of the adhesive um honestly i do not use that product so i couldn't tell you if you it has oil or not in it so you'd want to look at the the bottle okay. and make sure that there's no oil in it um you can use anything oil free um around eyelash extensions gotcha and then i'm really curious about <laughs> the exfoliating too you said glycolic i never heard of that how does how does that product work So glycolic is just a natural acid. Um, You derive it from fruit plants. Um, And it's similar to like malic and salicylic. Um, They're all gonna be kind of the main acids that you see in things. Um, And like lactic, that's a big one from milk. Um, So any of those are really good exfoliating products that are acids. And it depends on your personal skin type of which one is going to work best for you. So they can come in all different shapes and forms 
what I used mostly was a glycolic serum. But I do also have actual um, glycolic peels that I did from time to time. So um, that's going to be a service, again, that you would need to go to your local esthetician to get done. You're not going to be able to purchase that over the counter, really. But you'd be able to get, like, glycolic serums and creams and stuff like that. Again, I can still always recommend that you get your products from a local esthetician just because over the product, or over the counter products, excuse me, are um, not always as pure or as strong as what you can get from an actual esthetician or a dermatologist or someone who is licensed in some way. Well, it also sounds like you want someone to tell you what would be best for your skin, like if I have dry skin or oily skin or that kind of thing too. Yes. Okay. Products are not one size fit all. And if you if you just don't have that knowledge of a your skin and skincare ingredients, you can really mess your skin up by using the wrong thing, honestly. And especially a lot of over-the-counter products have um, filler ingredients in it. And nine out of ten times, those filler ingredients are pore-clogging. Fillers, that, is that like when someone goes to the dermatologist and they're like, you know, pump my lips up or cheekbones? Is that similar? Um, okay, so that is that is filler. But when I say filler ingredients, I mean the ingredients in skincare products that don't actually do anything oh. but are just in the product to kind of either um, as a preservative or to maybe give it like a creamy texture or um, such like that. Just the extra ingredients added in that are not active. So I guess you know the term like active ingredients? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So filler ingredients are basically what's not the active ingredient. Gotcha. And a clarification moment here. Don't go picking up any acid to put on your face. Okay. Lactic no. or glycolic. Is that how you pronounce Glycolic. Glycolic acid. Um, read before, you know, you pick up any old acid. Because you would think acid, when has acid ever been, any form of acid ever been good for the skin? But it's certain acids that, that do work for that. Yeah, yes, so just to, to throw that out. You know, you got to be careful because sometimes when I go to the store and I like I don't like to select the first item. I like to select the item behind it. And sometimes it's the wrong thing. Uh, so I'm just <laughs> I just try to pay attention all around all the way. So listen, a little bit of background on you. You were actually adopted. How did you did you always know you were adopted or was there a moment, a specific moment you found out that you were? Um, I've just always known. My mom was really honest with me. I also, um, I was adopted when I was two years old. So I already, like, knew, like, I was aware that, like, I lived here and these weren't my parents and now I'm living elsewhere, you know? So, um, I've just always known that I was adopted. Mm -hmm. And you said you have a passion for, um, People who are who have been adopted. What would you like to do for children or even other adults who have been adopted? I love hearing people's stories and talking to them about it, just because I feel like a lot of the time people don't realize how traumatizing um, adoption can be. Like people think, oh, it's so beautiful and it's great, and it truly, truly is. But I feel like a lot of the time, no matter what. Um, the person struggles with 
feelings of like not being good enough or abandonment and you know you just wonder why you know the people that are supposed to love you the most just kind of didn't want you that's not always the case people don't always know the story though of being adopted some people just know that they were adopted they don't know anything about their parents um and that was me growing up i didn't know anything about my birth family um until i found my birth family like four years ago three years ago something like that so you know i didn't know anything and i just always struggled with those feelings of loneliness and being unwanted so um for adults i feel like just talking to them and listening to them and um a lot of reassurance of you know you're doing a great you're a good person those type of things are really important um for me with kids obviously doing the same thing which you should be doing for kids anyways um but i just want to um you know get financially where i would like to be and i want to just kind of continuously be adopting children because you know eventually they're gonna grow up and they're gonna move out anyways and now you have room for another child so you yourself want to adopt children i do that's awesome Wow. So listen, we how did you... Talk, uh, sorry, I was going to say, we actually talked to an agency in Kansas City, um, the Tenth Voice, just a couple of weeks ago, who help and support people through the adoption process. And it was fascinating to learn how many safeguards there are in to protect people and that people can volunteer with that, that organization to be a representative for the adoptee and just to help everyone make the process smoother and safer and better for everyone involved and I think it's awesome that you want to be involved like that. Yes, I would love to. It makes me so happy. And I mean I do have I have a child of my own too and I'd like to have a couple more probably, but I definitely will still want to be adopting. Shout out to your baby, although your baby doesn't sound like a baby, but will always be your baby, like how my son is always my baby, who he's twenty. So shout out to your baby. <laughs> Yes. yes. He's he's four years old and he will tell me really, really fast that he is a big boy. Hey. That's what's up. So listen, for everybody out there that is listening who maybe has been adopted or know someone who has been adopted and has struggled with those feelings of abandonment or just um not really knowing where you come from, how did you overcome that? You know, if I'm being honest, I don't know if that's something I truly have necessarily overcome, but I had a really amazing mom. Um, I mean, I have, you know, I'm grown now, but growing up, she never made me feel like I wasn't hers. She always was there for me. I could have never had a better, a better mother, honestly. I'm really thankful for her, and um, she helped me a lot. I struggled really bad with my mental health all of my life just because, you know, A, a chemical imbalance, and B, just with those feelings. And my mom was always there to guide me and support me, even when I was acting awful and she really should have just let me be and not even tried to help me. She still you know, at her own pain would put herself through all of my mess to help me and make me feel loved and secure. Um, 
And then for myself, when I got older, it was really important for me to find out if I have siblings. I feel like that was a big part of almost closure for me. Like I said, I didn't know anything. So um, I did find out that I'm actually the youngest of four and I have three older brothers. So I've gotten to talk to them and um, know them as best as I could a little bit. And I think now that I'm older, I finally feel at least a little better, at least knowing about my situation and stuff. So I would encourage people, if they feel like it would help them, to find their family. Yeah, I have, uh, that, that really resonated with me. My my brother and both of my sisters are all adopted. And we adopted my one sister first. And I remember clearly when we went to visit my grandmother, my grandmother was introducing us to someone else and said, well, you know, this is, this is Rachel and this is my adopted granddaughter. And my mother snapped back at her and said, she's not your adopted granddaughter. She is just your granddaughter and she's part of this family. And there is no difference between her and, and Rachel. So she instilled that very early on and made no bones about it to anyone, which was amazing. Yes. That's awesome. Shout out to your mom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, shout out to your mom. So listen, I, I know that you want to talk about Wallace. Can you elaborate on Wallace for us? Yes, Wallace is my little buddy. Um, so Wallace is my four-year-old son. I'm super excited. He's starting kindergarten in the fall. Um, he's very, very high energy. And, you know, of course, he's my kid. So sometimes he's on my very, very last nerve. <laughs> but even still, he still just makes me smile. And I love him. Being um, a parent is something that is probably the best thing I'll ever have done with my life. And truly, I can truly say that Wallace saved my life. I am with you on that, Malia. I tell people all the time, my son saved my life. I prayed for my son. I was lonely. I was dying. And when I say I was dying, I mean just my soul was losing its breath. And I prayed for my son and he gave me purpose and direction for my life. He is my best friend, my biggest cheerleader, and, hey, I I just love my son. Team boys, boy moms, (laughs) boys, shout out to the boys. Yes, so much fun. And, you know, I really, um, I came from a really bad situation um, with his dad. And, you know, I honestly, again, shout out to my mom. I showed up one Saturday morning at my mom's house with a suitcase. And it was just like, can I please move back in? And I was like six months pregnant at this time. And so I, um, you know, spent the rest of my pregnancy at my mom's. Um, I gave birth all natural at a birth center, which I love. I'm super passionate about that. Um, If I wasn't an esthetician, I'd probably be a doula. Um, The natural birth experience um, outside of a hospital is amazing and I want to do it again. What was amazing so, about it? Tell us for those who didn't have that experience. It was crazy. <laughs> and uh, it was really interesting because uh, my mom never birthed children. Uh, me and my two younger sisters were, were all adopted. So 
we were kind of just going into it. My mom went to all my doctor's appointments. She was basically like the father. She did everything with me. Um, it was beautiful. She was there with me when I labored. That was wild. Labor, um, to me, felt like, um, you remember those P90X ab workouts? <laughs> yeah. So I felt like I was doing, like, speed P90X for, <coughs> excuse me, like eight hours straight. Mm. I was exhausted. I was about to say worn out. It's what it sounds like, worn out. So tired. At the end of it all, like, the midwives were holding my legs because I just, I couldn't. I was so tired. And um, it was beautiful, though. I remember, like, being very aware of his shoulders. But um, other than that, he came right out, no problems. I really didn't feel like that part was painful. And I just remember crying as you know i saw my baby come out with his arms sticking up and his face all smashed and she just laid him on me and i just i just still remember that moment it makes me want to cry right now but um and then my mom actually got to cut his um umbilical cord and i know this is weird and crazy but to this day i actually still have my placenta Oh, you know what? I wanted mine, but they got rid of it. And actually, some people take that and put it in a pill or and take the pill like for it. And I think it helps with maybe postpartum depression has some benefits to it. Yes. And that's why I kept it. But um, like I said, the situation was just kind of a whole mess. And I didn't actually have the money to do it and was trying to save it until um, I did have the money. But at that time, I actually... Um, I graduated aesthetic school while I was pregnant. And so I kind of waited to get my license until after I had the baby. Cause I wasn't really, I didn't know if there would be any complications or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So at the time I was not um, working in the field. So, you know, money was a little tight. And by the time, you know, I was working at Spotique, it had been several months. And, you know, I just never ended up doing anything with my placenta, so I just still have it. And I have to give some recognition to whatever the situation was with um, your child's father, you left um, and you left when you were pregnant. And I think that says a lot because whatever situation isn't working for us, sometimes we'll find every reason to stay so that we can be comfortable or not have people judge us or be embarrassed about why we had to switch it up. So mad respect for you for doing what you felt was best for you and yours. Tell us about a. You're welcome. Tell us about ASL. Oh, so that was uh, my acronym for like age, sex, location to introduce myself. Basically, <laughs> my introduction. I am. <laughs> I am uh, 25, um, and I identify as a woman with pronouns she, her, um, and I have been raised in Olathe in Johnson County. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that was, that's, you know, obviously a huge part of who you are as a person, like where you're from and how you identify. So. You're shaking your head, Fiona. I know. You my notes were kind of crazy. <laughs> what you say, Malia? I said my notes were kind of crazy. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. Fiona, you're shaking your head. What you shaking your head about? No, I was nodding. I was. I mean, nodding. When people first, 
yeah, people were saying online when I was in chat, uh, when chat online was fairly new, they were saying ASL. I was like, American Sign Language. Yeah, that's what I thought like, too. No age, so I didn't know what ASL was. I was, like, oh. I was just going to let you say so it. it that, that was giving me flashbacks to the early 2000s. <laughs> that's, yeah, someone typed in ASL. I'm like, I don't know sign language. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I don't. I wish I did. I can do like the baby sign language, like eat and milk. But other than that, you're not an infant I can't communicate you. but we all can learn there's still time we, we can learn you know so if it's you want to true. it's still time you can do it listen I want to ask you so when you are providing these services to your clients how are you feeling because you said you're passionate about it like how do you feel are you fulfilled is it gratifying what is the emotion when you're performing these services like the sugaring or the eyelashes or the skincare the makeup etc what is your feeling? Um, so I think each service honestly gives me a different feeling. So for hair removal, that instant satisfaction of like there's hair that you didn't want and now it is gone, like that is satisfying to me. It makes me feel like accomplished, like I really did something. Um, and then facials for me, um, it's like a really intimate feeling almost like the room is dark and your hands are connecting with someone else's body and you are able to channel your own like positive energy into them. Cause a lot of times I see people they're treating themselves to a facial because they are stressed or um, it might be like a gift for mother's day or, you know, it's just time they wanted to do something, um, something like self-care for themselves. So you have the opportunity to really pass on those positive vibes and make them feel relaxed and like cared for and like taken care of in that moment. And I like giving that to people. And then also for myself, getting to be in the dark and listening to the music um, gives me time to kind of like turn my brain off almost. Um, and it's relaxing for me. Um, lashes. I'm a, I struggled with lashes a lot trying to learn them. And so they used to frustrate me really bad. And it was not an enjoyable experience for me to do per se. Um, but now I'm to the point of where I am happy with my work. I have seen the improvement and I'm able to kind of actually relax while doing lashes as well. And typically my clients will fall asleep hmm. while I'm doing their lashes. Wow. So it's just relaxing all around. Um, and then makeup, I feel like gives me a burst of energy. That is my creativity. Like doing makeup is how I am creative. I can't draw. I... I have no, like, with my hands, I can't mold or do anything like that. And that has always frustrated me. So um, doing makeup is almost like painting or something for me. And I like it. It's fun for me. And then kind of like how Rachel was saying, like, when she was spun around, she just looked at herself, seeing people's face light up because they, like, they look different and a good different. And like we talked about before, enhancing like I focus on enhancing 
So I don't do, you know, anything super crazy. Um, and I think that, you know, they see the best parts of their face enhanced. And I love seeing, like, the joy and excitement in their eyes. So... It is so fun because I recently had my makeup professionally done and it took me a moment to accept everything that was on my face, quite honestly. But then I was like, well, this is this is how it goes, because it's like for a professional thing. And I was like, oh, I kind of like this. Yeah. Yeah. Fiona, what was you going to say? Oh, I was just wondering, as a young black woman, you probably have struggled historically with being able to find good makeup products in America because so much stuff, especially like things like foundation, are aimed at white people. Are you able to source and get good products like that to now? Uh, is, is things improving? I definitely think that things are improving. Um, and that's so funny that you said that. That's like a soapbox for me. I really could have talked the whole hour on a rampage about that. Um, and I'm not going to say like the company name or anything, but I have worked for a brand um, where I'm supposed to sell these products that I can't even wear. Like you don't even have my shade and you want me to sell them to people. It was the most frustrating experience of my life. One of my main goals is to actually develop like um, formula foundation and have that on the line and I want to have a wide um, range of shades because it's getting more popular now and it's a little bit more easier to find but it still can be kind of hard there's a lot of good brands especially like black owned brands that do really well at that but then as I've learned just being in the industry and talking to people that um, people with very, very fair skin actually have the same problem. It's not necessarily just people of color. And I know I hate to do that sometimes, you know, because I feel like people of color do struggle with a lot of stuff that people of non-color, they just don't experience it. You know, that's just what it is. But in makeup, the fair skin people do tend to get the short end of the stick too. And to me, makeup is designed to make everyone feel beautiful. And I know it doesn't make me feel beautiful if I'm trying to go get a basic powder and you don't even have my shape. That makes me feel bad. And I don't want anyone to feel bad, especially when it comes to makeup. Makeup is to make you feel beautiful and to just bring out that creativity and everyone deserves to walk in to um, any store, pick up any line and have their shade. You know, the top models back in the 90s, Naomi Campbell, um, maybe Tyra Banks, but I know, oh, Beverly Johnson. I'm going to leave Tyra Banks out of that because she is on the, the lighter shade. So, But Beverly Johnson, um, Naomi Campbell, their makeup was off because it was really horrendous back at that time. They were looking gray-like um, because the products weren't available for women of color. So, But yeah. it, it has gotten better, but of course there's... St- always room for improvement so folks it is time for us to take a station break we're going to come back we're going to be talking more with malia carr about spotique which she specializes in sugaring which is a hair removal process and provides other services such as makeup skin care and am i leaving something out uh lashes and body treatment hey all right stay with us folks we'll be right back 
I am Angela Believes. You're listening to Every Woman on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. We have been, been speaking with Malia Carr. She is the owner of Spotique, which specializes in sugaring hair removal. She also has other services such as makeup, skincare, lashes, and body treatment. So, listen, we want to get out your your contact information for those who are wanting to try something new or just come pay you a visit. Where can they find you? Yes. So, you can visit me online at www.spotikeskincare.com. It is spotik, S-P-A-T-I-Q-U-E, skincare.com. You can be reached by phone at 913 Six four five nine nine two five, and I do answer that um, during regular business hours, which are Tuesday through Friday, um, nine to three, and then Saturdays ten to six. Um, if I do not answer, that means I am with a client and will return your call um, between clients during regular business hours. Um, also, um, I do have an online store. Um, but you can actually find the link on that online at www.spotique.com. Awesome. What would you like for our listeners to know about you or Spotique that we didn't cover in your interview? You know, I feel like we covered a lot, but one thing is that I, um, <laughs> I am really, I love meeting new people. I love hearing their backstories, um, what they do for a living, um, I like to support my clients as well if they have, um, you know, something that they do that is of interest to me or might be of interest to other people. Um, I I want to partner with my clients. They become my friends. Um, you know, I ask about their kids. I have a lot of women that come in and they're pregnant. And honestly, if that ever happens, I'm going to definitely be texting you, asking for you to send me a picture of your baby and ask how things went. Like, to me, this is just a relationship. You build a relationship with people. And uh, my spa is a safe place for anybody and everyone. No matter what you do, where you come from, you can always come. Tell me about it. If it's something I never heard of, even better. That's super interesting. So definitely, Bautique is a welcoming place. I want everyone to come. That is amazing. And for those of y'all who have any questions or comment for Malia, you have a few minutes. 816-931-5534. Questions or comments. 816-931-5534. I'm about to call in because I got a question. You're lucky you don't have to. My question. So can you, for eyeshadow, I think is a struggle for a lot of people out there. Sometimes I just use one color over my eyelid and just keep it moving. Can you share any basic tips for those of us who don't know what we're doing when we're applying eyeshadow? <laughs> Rachel's in it so, with me too. One thing I've learned is um, brushes. Brushes make a big difference. If you don't have a variety of brushes, um, and like a decent brand, that doesn't necessarily even mean expensive, but just good brushes that are different, um, that's going to get you a long way. Because a lot of people, they go online, and I've learned this personally myself, I'm watching um, like a YouTube video of someone doing their makeup, and I want that same eye look, and I'm frustrated because I'm doing everything that they're doing, and it's not looking right, it's because of the brushes. So that's a very good place to start. 
Um, and also regarding um, YouTubers, when you're watching these videos, keep in mind of their eye shape. If they have an eye shape that is not the same as your eye shape, it is not going to look the same. I encourage people um, who like to watch YouTube to find, or really anything, find an influencer that is A, the same undertone and similar color, as well as similar face shape and eye shape, because that is going to help you. Someone who does not have the same face shape as you is going to contour and highlight completely differently than you need to contour and highlight. Someone with a different skin color is going to use different colors than you're going to be able to use. So find someone similar. I did not think about that when I was watching YouTube videos for <laughs> anything. So listen, Fiona, Rachel, do y'all have any questions that you want to ask briefly here before we got to go? I just wanted to say that I love the idea of your spa being a safe space for everyone because there's a lot of people who feel excluded from going to traditional salons and boutiques whether it's because of their race or because they're in the LGBTQ community and get excluded a lot from uh, interactions like that because they get treated wrong. I just love the idea of a safe space like that for people to relax and just be beautiful on themselves. Dope. Yes. I'm happy to provide that because I think that nobody should feel unwelcome and that's just a huge shame that there's groups of people that feel that way. All right. Thank you so much, Malia Carr, uh, owner of Spotique right here in Kansas City, Missouri. It has been a pleasure learning about your services and you. So, everybody, I hope you have enjoyed this show, learned something new. You'll want to stay tuned because coming up after us is Urban Connections. And filling in for Donna Wolf, it's going to be Ebony Johnson, Jasmine, and Karen. So be sure to stay tuned for Urban Connections. Up next, take care, everybody.